0: As we bring this special Twins Talk It Up Summer series to a close, we wanted to do a replay of a highly listened to episode of our fantastic conversation with Trey Gamage. Trey is a speaker, social emotional learning specialist, and he is the founder of SEL Educators. We discuss how emotional intelligence and great communication are foundational for success. Listen in and stay tuned because we're wrapping up and gonna dive into a new series
1: and share with you what we've got going on. Everybody's got these results and we make it clear, this is not who you are. This is the behaviors that I can see based on the energy you put behind it.
0: Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of Twins Talk It Up, where we highlight success stories and explore the latest trends and best practices around the topics of leadership and communication. Today, we're excited to have our good friend and a fellow leadership consultant, Trey Gamage, join the program. Trey is an education consultant. He's an international speaking champion and is the founder of SEL Educators, where he focuses on building social, emotional learning competencies in school communities through program adoption, implementation, professional development, and team building. This is going to be a good one. Trey, welcome to the program. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. We're doing wonderful. Thank you for the introduction. I appreciate the, the emphasis. I know y'all are communicators, so I appreciate the, the, the pace and the tone and, and everything that you've got together here today. So I'm excited to have uh, the best interview I've ever been a part of. This is Danny. I love how you're speaking it into existence. That's what we
0: tell people every day. It's mindset and making sure you're speaking into existence. So every day is about mindset. And one of the things I love about the background, and I think our audience is going to be really excited to hear this, is you have a very unique background. I would like you to tell a little bit about your leadership background, how you became interested in social-emotional learning, and this is what we tell people, this is what SEL means, and then how what led you to begin SEL Educators?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of pieces just to start. We can unpack them later um, if necessary, but... I think one, you know, I started really communicating in high school and I got that itch to kind of speak and, and want to do things. And football was uh the leadership standpoint. But as I kind of grew through life, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And it was football that I thought was my purpose. I thought that was my train. I thought that was my my ticket until I got to college and my team was trash and I was riding the bench for a couple of years. And that's when I started to connect the dots and I learned more about lifestyle. Like, ah, okay. So this scholarship is paying $50,000 a year. I have to give 20 hours of service for my games. There's another 48 hours on the weekend or for practice, another 20 hours for the weekend. So this is my work schedule and I get to choose what to do with the rest of my time. Wow. Like I got my classes, but then I get to join these clubs and things. And so that lifestyle is something that I gravitated towards and wanted to continue Upon graduation. So my last semester of college, I studied abroad in Luxembourg. Uh, we had a sister school there, visited 14 countries in 16 weeks. Every Thursday, we got on a train, and we whipped around the continent of Europe. And that made the world so flat for me, Danny, I, I tell you, it just, while I was there, I was listening to, to Les Brown and Zig Ziglar, Jim Rome. Tony Robbins, Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, Ogman, Dino. I mean, these are these are my guys right here. And I still have, you know, all their books. And so I worked on myself and worked on myself. And there was two more pieces of advice. I'm going to wrap it up here. My dad said you build your resume until you're 30. And Mm. so once I graduated, and I came back from Europe, I've been super intentional about seeking out experiences that I may not be qualified for on paper, but I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to take that journey. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to die. Um, and so that's led me to run for city council, uh, participate in the world championship of public speaking, start my first business at 24 years old. And, you know, on my second stint of being a full time consultant and I'm, I'm six, seven, I'm just finished year six. So there's a lot more we can unpack. I know over time, but. Um, Had some really cool experiences, you know, in between uh, those seven to 10 years as well.
0: That's awesome. This is David. And Trey, I'm really looking forward to digging into your experience, what you bring to training. But to follow up with my twins question, tell us what is social emotional competence Mm -hmm. And why you began SEL Educators, because it's good to see you taking that experience. I love how you talked about traveling and you're starting to see the world in a different lens. You start to realize that that people respond and learn differently. But tell us about SEL
1: Educators Mm -hmm. and what social emotional competencies are or what they what it is. Yeah, for sure. So outside of education, it's emotional intelligence. Simple, plain as it is. It's your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management social management. SEL adds one more competency generally, which is uh, critical or relationship skills or responsible decision-making rather. So there's four or five competencies that we focus on building. I have a psychology background, a cognitive, um, abnormal psychology, social psychology, all that stuff. And so early in my career, I was living with high school students and working with them as well. And I noticed these communication gaps in that get lost in translation between generations, and um, I'm gonna give you all the long answer too. I see, if you look at generations, the baby boomers still have power and have held on to it for too long. Generation X kind of skipped a level of power; we're, we're not as dominant as millennials are, and then the millennials are now the same size as baby boomers. And what you have is a gap in communication between generations. So you got baby boomer leaders millennial leaders. There's very few Generation X leaders, and that brings gaps. The teachers don't know how to talk to the kids or, you know, whatever the case is. So I started to search for that, and my first, I was working with the kids initially. My first consulting client, though, um, gave me opportunity to observe classrooms for a month. I saw the same things, miscommunications, and he challenged me to find something that was evidence-based that can point out what I could see, and that's where i found uh disc assessments which is a corporate yep. tool that i've adapted for public sp- or excuse me for the classroom and emotional intelligence assessments that provide us a benchmark the same way we assess kids with uh english and math let's assess ourselves let's assess our well-being because the the research and data i'm good, i got my own coming up but that that we see shows that simply by practicing when adults just practice with intention they're intentional about being a better version of themselves, the outcomes of are are greater for the students. Better relationships with students, better classroom management, better implementation of different curriculums and programs, because the teacher has a greater sense of well-being and less stress. And so that's what made me want to start the business and and continue to narrow in to focus for me is on adult SEL. Most businesses focus on curriculum for students and solutions for students, I focus on the adults because it it just doesn't make sense to me how we can make a curriculum a solution when our adults don't have the skills to teach it. This is Danny. This is quite profound. What I'm thinking about when it
0: comes to this aspect, and I really appreciate that you took the time to understand it. I do appreciate that you took the time to really uh, make sure you focus on educating and helping the adults. So that when they create the curriculum, it's actually going to help the uh, young adults and the future leaders of of, of what we call the world. So tell me a little bit more about uh, an example of how you actually, after observing how you actually implemented this Mm
1: -hmm. into the
0: classroom and the benefit that resulted from it. Because this is going to be a paradigm shift and this is totally going to change education. So tell me an example of how you implemented this and, and how we can actually make sure we push this forward
1: as mm-hmm. we think about education in the future. So the, the primary way, like the first five years in business, uh, there be a school that wants to work together. And at, usually for in-service, before school starts, we complete this DISC assessment or this emotional intelligence training uh, assessment. And we take a two to four hour debrief. So in that debrief, we're going to walk through your individual assessment. We're going to walk through a team assessment. And facilitation is different than public speaking, is different than implementation. And so a facilitator's job is to make it easier. And I say my job is to make it easier to do what you love or facilitate purpose. So what, what, what this does for me with adults, if I give you feedback, Danny, you might take it personally. But if I have an opportunity to complete an assessment, you took the assessment. And that assessment tells you the same thing that I've been telling you, you can't take it personal anymore. So now the barrier in the guard is let down. So all these conversations that are all this, all this politics that happens in every organization and these underground conversations and these unspoken tensions that you have, the wall's down and we can talk about it because everybody's on front street. Everybody's got these results and we make it clear, this is not who you are. This is the behaviors that I can see based on the energy you put behind it. With the disc assessments, we teach you how to recognize your communication style and somebody else's with two questions, right? We call it the platinum rule. The platinum rule is treating people how they wanna be treated. And there's two main places that we find tension one is pace. One person's moving fast paced, the other's moving slow paced. Simple modification, slow down or speed up, you know, and, and I, we can get more detailed. The other one is priority. Some people are task-oriented. They want the, the meeting to run as efficiently and smoothly as possible. They don't want to smell any roses. Give me point A to point B. While others, they want to chop it up first. They want to smell those roses. They want to make sure everybody's okay. That's where tension comes from. That's it. Two places. So if I can show you how to identify that tension with two questions with anybody, I'm talking about your wife, your kids, your colleagues, what else can we do? to make an impact. So just simply that awareness is the paradigm shift. But the next thing that we do is we actually practice it. And so I'm for all levels of um, differentiated instruction. So you're going to learn it in real time, but we're also going to practice in real time. So after you learn those two questions, how to understand your style and others and what all that means, now we're going to practice. I want you to find two people in the room, find their style, Find the difference that you have with them if it's pace and priority, and then we're going to talk about strategies that you can use to adjust with that person. So a good example would be um, I had an administrator I couldn't stand one time, and she used to trigger me. She knew how to press my buttons, and I had to point the thumb and look at myself and figure out why is this lady making me so mad? And I started to figure out that she was task-oriented, so I had to prepare for meetings more. I had to ask my questions. I had to create my solutions. I had to anticipate what questions that she was going to ask, right? And then I had to send her an agenda ahead of time so she knew that I was prepared, that I was talking about things. And those couple modifications, that's a couple applications. And I'll go one step further for the classroom, thinking about redirections with students. So if I'm a teacher in a classroom and a student is off task, if I understand How that student prefers to be communicated with, I can approach them differently. For example, I'm more outgoing, so you can tell me to stop talking. You can tell me a joke. Trey, I told you to sit down and be quiet. You can talk to me like that. But Trudy, she is a conscientious style, and she needs clear, explicit instruction. She doesn't want to be communicated with aggressively, so I might need to go tap her and say, hey, are are you paying attention? So that that redirection, um, yeah, verbal, nonverbal redirections and then differentiated instruction, like understanding. If I know my class is full of conscientious students, I know that it's really important for me to have clear, explicit instructions for them. Not when I'm giving the directions, but like they need to have it in print. They need to see it on the board. I need to review it. And knowing your kids and knowing how they prefer to be communicated with helps you be a better uh, teacher for yourself as well.
0: We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why at Meetup and DSP Leadership Group, have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services, To book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Are you someone who dreads public speaking? Does the mere thought of getting up in front of a crowd make you break out in a cold sweat? Well, fear no further because there's a solution that can help you overcome your fear and master the art of public speaking. Introducing our book, Talk It Up, a guide to successful public speaking. This comprehensive guide is perfect for anyone of any age in any profession if they want to improve their public speaking skills. Whether it's for a work presentation, a conference, a job interview, giving a toast at a wedding, or even a TED Talk. With Talk It Up, you'll learn how to craft and deliver a powerful speech that engages your audience and leaves a lasting impression. You'll discover techniques for controlling your nerves, protecting your idea, projecting your voice, using your body language, all to keep your audience engaged. Plus, you'll get tips on everything from creating an outline, to using visual aids, to managing a Q&A session. Imagine being able to speak confidently and being able to captivate your audience. With Talk It Up, you can become a skilled public speaker in no time. And the best part, it's available on Amazon. So you can start reading today and take your first steps to become a confident public speaker. Don't let your fear of public speaking hold you back any longer. Order your copy of Talk It Up today and start speaking with confidence. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is David, and I love what we're, we're talking about because this can be applied in any setting. We're talking about the classroom and the corporate setting as well. If you could teach your managers, if you could teach your directors to understand different styles of learning, to understand even that whole pace of speech. We're talking about mimicking speech. We're talking about understanding how to have awareness. Not everybody responds to the same stimuli not everybody's going to respond in the same way so there isn't this one set focused mindset that you've got to have you've got to learn to adapt it for your audience for your people for your 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 sales reps to get the most out of them and then they feel appreciated and then what happens you kind of get this synergy you get this sense of they're more efficient now they're more productive they feel appreciated all that goes together, this is why your work is so valuable because mm-hmm. it 's not about just taking the best salesperson in the world and saying, "Now manage some of those guys are the worst, yeah, but this is what you do, and I love that so when you look at your background trey you 've got a diverse background. We talked about this earlier you you mentioned being a part of the city council you 've been an adjunct professor you 've been involved in different elements of education. Talk about how your background or the diversity of your background foundationally set you up to mm. learn how to build this practice. And then from there, you went on and got your global career development facilitator certification. So talk about your background, how that helps set you up and continue to build on that foundation to yeah. what you're doing now.
1: This this is good. Great, great questions. Already off to the best start. I have to give kudos. So I call it a black privilege. I, I come from a privileged background. I, I can trace my family ancestry back to the eighteen sixties. We've got a Bible. I, I got stories about my uncle Tommy, who was the meanest man in Mississippi. I, I I've got my my grandfather was picking cotton. He started his business Gamage enterprise in the eighties. Wow. He would cash checks. Plow snow, cut grass, wash cars, haul loads, just super service oriented. So when I see my grandfather hustling, my father had a law practice for 20 years and he ran for office as well. My brother started hustling and, 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 and I mean legal hustling. They were, were were doing, you know, campaigns and other businesses. And that my mom has been a hairdresser since she was, since I was born. Um, so that energy is just in me to go get it. I think in high school, I remember saying that I was going to work for myself. I took a work and motivation class in college. They said if money was no object, what would you do with your life? And I said I would uh, be a public speaker or some kind of consultant. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm doing what I love. And, um, you know, I, I might need help getting back to the question, but I think my background and how it's helped me, football helped me understand lifestyle and that how to compartmentalize things. Eight to one was foot, was class. Two to six was football. And then I understand how to schedule my life. Now it's like personal, professional, and family, whatever the case may be, but I can still compartmentalize very well. And the other piece of feedback from my dad building your resume. So I'm from Indiana, went to school in Ohio, moved down to South Carolina. I burned the bridge. You know, all all those self help books we talk about, that's what they say. Like sometimes you got to burn the bridge. You got to cut ties. And like Tupac said, I had no no grass beneath my feet. I had to get the wind behind my back and and go out. So I moved down here and just started chasing, just chasing, chasing, chasing everything. Um, I got a job that paid me the most, that I had to do the least until I figured out what I wanted to do. And um, that helped. So I think working at a residential high school with Gen Z, like the first graduating class of Gen Z was very helpful. Running for office Um, now that was real, that, that was like a a real adult experience because I was 24 years old when I was elected and the incumbent was 84 years old. She was, she was elected the same year that I was born and the average age of council was like 70 years old. And so here I come with all this ambition and energy and it just helped me understand the pace of government, how people are blamed when you don't really know what the problem is, you know, in the constituents that I, I had to represent and how they will come at me sometimes and not knowing the realities and, and talk about emotional intelligence having to keep a straight face, knowing that I'm in here vouching for you and going to bat for you and what I think is right and what we need. And then you're coming right behind beating me up because of the decisions mm-hmm. that we're making and conversations that we're having. So that really helped me like understand adulthood for sure. And I think, um, also my first boss and my first client uh was a charter school and even though i was 24 years old he treated me like i was a 20 year veteran and so there wasn't there wasn't this onboarding this hand holding along the way it's like no like you this is what you want to do go do it you're a senior leader and that's how you're going to be treated and so All those things, those experiences just started to pile up and they say, get in over your head and then you just got to figure out how to sink or swim. So I've just had my head down grinding for six years. And then even the certifications, I've got a disc certification and emotional intelligence one. I've got a SEL and career development leadership certification, GCDF. Um, And I think those things, they sound good. They cost, you know, they're they're not too expensive. They're a lot cheaper than a master's degree, but they give me those those credentials. And I am a practitioner in these crafts. And so that's part of the finesse game as well to make sure I am qualified. I'm not paying for the degree. I'm not I'm not going to do it. Y'all gonna pay for it. I'll go get it. But I'm not spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars to go get a degree when I can spend two thousand dollars become a practitioner and work that skill until I become great at it. So now that I'm into year seven, which is a number of completion, I'm starting to feel much more confidence and much more expertise because I've done this with 60 schools because I've worked with thousands of, of educators because I've assessed so many folks. And so I've been in so many scenarios that um, I'm confident in my ability now and that I've been doing this work for so long. It's a lot longer than, than you know, most folks do many things, seven to 10 years. This
0: is Danny. I think that two things stand out to me. One is you're perfecting your craft. There's a statistic that's out there that says that if you spend 18 minutes a day, just 18 minutes a day to learn one thing, by the end of one year, you're going to be more proficient than 95% of the people on the earth. Hmm. You spent seven years on it Yeah, and it's okay for us to say that you are an expert in it and- the good thing about it is you're to keep learning. you continue to keep adding to your belt. And that is a reason I believe you have the opportunities you have before you, including the public speaking opportunities. Mm. And I want to encourage our whole audience. You had these great New Year's resolutions, everybody. And I bet these New Year's resolutions, you had a thousand things you want to change in your life or grow or do. I'm going to encourage you to just do one. Mm. Just do one and perfect it. And when you perfect it, you become the master of it. That gives you the momentum that gives you the confidence, that gives you the energy to go after the next one. The problem that we have in this earth is that we try to do everything all at once. Do one thing first and do it well. The good thing about what we're hearing today is that it's learning how to use this in multiple settings now. Yeah. So Trey's learned to use it in the school setting. He's learned to use it in the, in the realm of politics. And I want to ask this next question because this is the area that both Dave and I do really well, in this is where we excel, but I would love to get his insight on, corporate training. Now, Dave and I, we work with professionals every single day. We work with professional business owners, when we call the small-medium space. We work with business leadership, and we work with their team and their employees. When it comes to sales training, public speaking training, mindset training and coaching, tell us how can we take what you are doing professionally. And apply it in the corporate world because you've done it in the school world. You've done it in the politics. You probably learned a lot of this along the way. And I want to get to your your professional background when it comes to uh, playing scholastic sports if if we have the time. But all this developed who you are, even going all the way back to knowing who your ancestors were. It all developed you as a person. But yet you're able to develop this, go after the certifications, and then everyone knows here. Mm -hmm. Google, Facebook, they all said the same thing. You do not need a college degree. What do you need? You need to have real hands-on application experience. You need to know how to program. You'd come do these internships. You have real world experience. Now you're much more valuable,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? It's not saying education is not important. It is important. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you how to hold to commitment. It teaches you how to work with team members instead of being by yourself. But there's a lot more you can learn on your own. And if you're willing to be dedicated and be focused like you, like you were, Trey, so I really appreciate that. So go back to you applied it to the school setting, you apply it to the pol- uh, political setting, Dave and I are in the corporate setting. Help us, how do you apply this in the corporate setting?
1: The, y'all ask some great questions, and and I would put it like this: um, emotional intelligence is like personal and professional development or self-help 2.0. You know, you I mentioned. Ogman, Dino, Napoleon Hill, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn. That was, that was a 1.0. You know what I'm saying? you, you got the information. you you got the motivation. You've got some of the structure and the frameworks. Now we're getting evidence to come behind it as well. And now we're getting assessment to come behind it as well. So, you know, driving in the car, having your uh, car university, having those books, keep doing that. That's a level. And then when we level up and we start to talk about communication outside of uh, transactional, you know, trying to get a deal done or negotiate, and we think about it as transformational, you start to have much better results because people do business with those that they know, like, and trust. So, you know, if I come in with my sales tactics or my my sales communication strategies, there's going to be some guards up. But if I if I'm just hey, look, here's the deal, like I'm gonna make an offer to you, but XYZ. Let's just talk first and see if it makes sense. If it doesn't, you know, no problem. When you figure out those things. And I pulled up one of the assessments now too to just look at some of like what the research says. So, enhanced employer-employee relations, improved performance and productivity, greater motivation and satisfaction, team performance, collaboration and synergy, um, greater initiative and commitment. On the other end, you have lower levels of stress, lower levels of absenteeism. Lower levels of turnover, um, less aggressive and hostile issues, because we're not butting heads over this small stuff and these little office politics that come in place. And all those things, you know, people might think they sound cute, reduced absenteeism, that's money. Decreased turnover, that's money. Reduced stress, that's money. Team performance, that these are money things. And as we continue to move into this new industrial resolu- revolution of AI, the one thing that AI cannot replace is emotional intelligence. You can't make a robot into a person, at least not yet. And so until we figure out how to do that, you're the one that's going to make you real in these situations. Building these skills gives you a new level of depth. And there are studies from like Cal Berkeley that show that EQ is responsible for up to 80% of your personal and professional success, which is far greater than your IQ, your traditional intelligence test and assessment.
0: One more time. How much is the percent? Because I think our audience needs to hear that one more
1: time. How much is the percent for EQ? 80% of personal and professional success. So, you know, we're talking about the office, but the skills are everywhere.
0: This is Danny. One of the things I I really appreciate you bringing that up. It is amazing to understand that the person you're speaking with, the person you're you're meeting with, whatever, if you understand their background, you can actually interact with them in a different way that's beneficial for both parties. You said 80% success when you have EQ in your personal and professional life. You also mentioned that organizations that focus on emotional intelligence can help improve productivity with their employees can actually decrease employees wanting to leave the organization i know there's a stat out there that says it takes it costs you two and a half times more to hire a new employee to train and get them up to speed than it does to keep your existing employees happy i know that because i lead a lot of sales organizations where fractional uh services that we provide for a lot of sales organizations and hiring a new sales rep can take eight to nine months to get them up to speed to be for they're proficient on their own without coaching before the adding value to the company, you just lost eight months to nine months worth of revenue because you couldn't figure out how to communicate with your employees. So mm-hmm. I think it's very important in a corporate setting. As you stated, it is really crucial to make sure that people understand this. Uh, a real quick question. Uh, it's close and dear to my heart. I coach uh, high school football for six years. I coached community college for one year uh, and I was going to go to my second year of coaching community college uh, football and that's when my wife, I had to read the, I had to read what was happening with her <laughs> face and body language. That was some emotional intelligence coming out that day for sure. Uh, that if I continued to go down the coaching route, we were going to have a divorce. Wow! Uh, it was just all the time. People don't understand the college yeah. prep, the school prep, they make sure they're drug free to make sure that we uh, line the policies for the schools that we're playing against. we were playing against division three schools to make sure that their travel was there, the budget was there, the hotel was there breaking down the film for every single position there is because if the head coach was sick, I had to come and step in. I had to make sure I knew all the assignments. I mean, there was so much work that she got to the point. Where I was like, look, if you continue this, we're not going to stay married. So I appreciate student athletes. I appreciate the college coaches. And I know that you played at Miami, Ohio, and people don't know. It's not the Miami in Florida. It's Miami, Miami in the state of Ohio. It's a one. university within the MAC, right? The Mid-American Conference. What did you enjoy about your time as a student athlete and, even though you you played in the collegiate level, what did it teach you? Yeah. Now that students are going through now with this NIL process, the name, image, likeness, mm. with this increased transfer portal process, mm. and how was that different than when you were playing? Oof,
1: wow, that's such a such a big question. You know, so honestly, like football, like it started off as such a big part. That's the reason I went to Miami. The the coach that recruited me went to Notre Dame, where I was from. But once I got there, football is such a business in college, and it just it doesn't become fun anymore and so like college football was fun you know we, we you got five seasons you have the the off season like summertime you have training camp you have the regular season you have the post season or winter conditioning then you have spring ball so there, there's five seasons of nonstop, and um you know during the season you got 20 hours the first 20 hours of your week it's football, period. No questions asked. And then your schedule, you've got a five-hour block each day. Game During the season, it takes about 48 hours for a game because you, you begin your travel prep at 5 o'clock on Friday. The game doesn't end till 5 o'clock on Saturday. So I guess that's 24 hours. So that's 48 hours of your week that's already planned out. And so I think a lot of folks, a lot of athletes, just lean on that system and don't learn how to think. Because you're scheduled out from minute to minute and literally like you have to schedule classes in this block. You have to be here at this time. And so it can it can make you very, um, you know, follow the rules and compliant is the word. And so a lot of people struggle when they're done playing football because that's all they're thinking about because of the rich history that I mentioned to you prior to. I understand that it was my job to make my scholarship work for me. Miami, for those that don't know, is very prestigious academically. And I would not have gotten in if I did not play football. So that $50,000... Big, Big Ben, yep. Big that's, ben. <laughs> that that $50,000 a year for my scholarship. I'm going to take advantage of this. Like, my, I, got, I had a knee surgery. I had a shoulder surgery. My back still hurt. My hyperextended elbow. I had so many injuries. Y'all not just about to paid me to beat up my body, I'm taking advantage of everything that comes at this prestigious institution. So I joined the the psychology. Um, I did research studies. I went to different conferences. I um, was on the student government. I was on the Red Hawk Council. Like I said, I studied abroad. And so I made sure that I made my resume well-rounded in college. And Miami was such a great place that we had many opportunities to take advantage of. But because I had a brother and father that had went through similar scenarios, I understood once I got there that football ain't forever. If I go pro or not, it's going to end soon. And what people want in a job is experience, like we mentioned earlier. So I don't have time for an internship because I'm playing football. How else can I stack my resume to be qualified when it's time? And so that Like those are the types of things that I was thinking about and how that translates is like these small certifications rather than, you know, additional degrees. And then like with my as a business owner, you know, you're not paying your taxes up front. I don't need as much money up front. So that's just a a small finesse. There's certain write offs that I can have. I don't need a one hundred thousand dollar salary if I don't have to pay rent or mortgage and just understanding those lifestyle type of things. And, and what was so much more important to me then and what I learned in college is that lifestyle is much more important than like job or status. And like the, the thing you do is not as important as how you live or how you want to live. Uh, last piece, Earl Nightingale said that um, success is the person who's doing what they want to do because they want to do it. And that's me. I don't want to do anything that I'm not trying to do. I just want to do what I'm the best at.
0: We'll be right back after this short break. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Are you tired of struggling to keep your team motivated and engaged? Do you wish there was an easier way to develop your employees' skills and build a high-performing team? Well, look no further than Mercury Learning Library and Coaching. If you're a tech company that values happy, high-performing teams and leaders, Mercury is the solution you've been looking for. You'll have access to online training, bi-weekly group coaching, to power up your employees, their skills, their leadership skills, their sales, and public speaking. And for CEOs and business owners, we have an offer exclusive just for you. It is a training track to help you lead your company to success. Here's the thing, your employees want to grow and develop. They wanna be motivated and engaged at work, but it's not always easy to know where to start. That's where Merky comes in. We provide specific development tracks for managers, employees, and HR leaders to help them achieve their goals and reach their full potential. Hey everybody, I'm Christina, and I'm a and Image Strategist where we consult you on how you're coming across, how your total brand, um, social media, the way you speak, the way you look, the way uh, your website looks, and it's all important in encompassing especially effective communication. So I have a book that I'd like to recommend. This book called, called Talk It Up by David and Danny Sue Brown does exactly that. It goes step by step and it tells you exactly what you need to know. It is very easy to follow. It will boost your confidence. It will help you communicate
1: effectively to your audience.
0: Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next 2 weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is David. Uh, I I want to continue on that and I don't have to guess what your perspective is on name, image, and likeness. It's probably going to come down to two words, about time. And (laughs) the thing that I will say that's interesting, because I I didn't coach like my twin did. I played tennis at Howard. I played um, tennis in high school. Dan and I played tennis together in high school. We were baseball players growing up. So we understood that discipline was the name of the game. If you were disciplined and you were student first, athlete second, then you're going to make the most of the scholarships and the monies that they put up there for you to go to school. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate your detail onto that. Now, I will say what's interesting about the Mid-American Conference, and just as me as a a football, college football nut, I'm a college football blogger. I've written on different topics around college football. Mm -hmm. I have my opinion on name, image, likeness, my own opinion on the transfer portal, my opinion on conference expansion and realignment, which I, I really wish they would slow that down. But the MAC, in many ways, could have taken two other schools, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. They could have gone after the Dakotas, South Dakota Mm. State, North Dakota State, but they're probably the most stable conference parity across the board. And Mm. this is what's interesting about the MAC. And I think that's why some people miss out on such a great conference. And as I mentioned to you, I spent several years, five years as a pastor in Cincinnati. And one of the campuses that I actually shepherded over was Miami of Ohio. So I Hmm. love that area. What a beautiful campus. So I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on being an athlete, being a student, what you got out of that, how it helped you to mature. But I want to ask you about something else in your past because I'm glad that you've seen how your speaking experience maybe started very, very young with your family, the traditions of really going after it and doing what we call life hustle, where you're trying to make things work or trying to figure things out. You take that mindset, you go to college, then you end up in this arena where you want to grow in your speaking skills. You became an international speaking champion. You started speaking at competitions and of course you got involved in Toastmasters and your speech make, or let me make sure I got it right every decision counts. Yeah, Talk about what you learned about yourself and from the world of public speaking, because that is what I do with my company, DSB Leadership Group. I help professionals improve their speaking skills. So talk yeah. about what it's like to be a speaking champion, what you learn from that, and how that works, because every decision counts, you actually touch on your time in college and what you learned from the mistakes you made, but but talk about what it means to be a speaker and what you learn from that that experience.
1: Absolutely. And I want to make one more comment about college football. I'm I'm I am i did not know you were such a large enthusiast. And you're right, the Mac is very stable. Miami is actually in the top ten or twenty-five winningest programs of all time, and we're the cradle of coaches for those that don't know, with John Harbaugh, Woody Bohem Beckler, uh Woody Hayes all the greatest coaches came to Miami. So I'll say that. And then just one piece on NIL. Uh, my thing is this. I, I I got my value out of my scholarship, but I played with some guys who ha- were at their peak earning potential in college. And once they graduated, you know, come in as number one recruit, getting a couple thousand yards. Once they're done... You know, NFL, they just on tryout squads for three years and then don't have any experience by the time they're 28 going into the professional world. And that's what I'm seeing now. Like my peers, the ones that went into the league or made it for a couple of years now don't have experience for a professional jobs. I don't blame them, but I think that's where the value of NIL comes in. If we can allow guys to earn money, I, it, look, I helped my mom pay rent my first week in college. I didn't have no money until we got our next Pell Grant. Don't I earn? I I I can earn this scholarship and I could be on this campus and do all these things. But if I just need to help my mom pay her rent, I gotta be broke for the rest of the semester. And so I, I I that's the piece for me. And so, you know, millions and means how big the deals are, that's not a concern of me, but I appreciate the fact that that guys get to make money in their peak earning season because everybody ain't going pro. And some yep. folks are just gonna go back to where they came from, you know. So hopefully they can, you know, at least have that opportunity. So Yes, that's that. And uh, thank you for bringing it up. On the speaking side, you know, it was when I was studying abroad, I, w- I listened to Les Brown every single day and I just got so hungry. Oh, my goodness. You you got to keep running towards your dream. I just every day I was. <laughs> you listening. said it with the same type of voice inflection,
0: the way he would say
1: it. (laughs) Yes. Les Brown was the goat to me. I would work out. I used to do these when I was abroad, I was coming off of football. I would do these thousand rep workouts like three times a week. And so I would run a mile. I would do like 500 ups, 300 sit-ups, pull-ups and stuff. And I would just have Les Brown in the whole time. And, you know, I think it's tough when you first start speaking, finding your voice is a big thing. And so I used to speak like Les Brown and a lot of my quotes were just Les Brown or Zig Ziglar. Jim Rohn quotes. And, and one of the things that I heard him say when I was abroad, he mentioned that he won the, the Golden Gavel Award with Toastmasters. And I said, oh, what's what's Toastmasters? What's this? Is there a program in where I'm at? Okay. So as soon as I got off the plane from Europe, I signed up for Toastmasters. And then shortly after I moved to South Carolina I just started giving my speeches and in Toastmasters, you have to give 10 speeches to be a competent communicator and at least six to enter the world championship. And so my sixth speech was the first speech for the world championship of public speaking. And for Toastmasters, this is an international organization with 143 countries, 30,000 contestants enter every year. And it's six rounds of competition that just narrows down. So I'm going to be real with you, David, to start. I was scared out of my mind for this competition, but nobody showed up to the first round. It was just me. And it was a a club level. So that, you know, in, in bigger cities, that might not be as common. But in my small club, I was the only one. So I literally read my speech from my phone. The second message, I was still scared. Nobody else showed up. So I practiced a little more and I, I was like, you know, you sometimes you have those limiting beliefs and mm-hmm. I was so scared that I didn't put all the effort in so somebody else would beat me and I can use it as an excuse or they were just better than me, but they didn't show up. So I won again. I'm like, man, I really got to do this thing. Like I'm in round three now out of six. And so I, I took it seriously. And this was the first time that there was like four or five strong competitors. I had those first two attempts for fighting my speech and now it's getting good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got something here, and I won that message. Next is the state-level competition for South Carolina. Wonderful speakers. I had the uh, table topics was one to two minutes. You had to answer a question. One to two minutes, the best response wins. So I got second place in the state for table topics, and I got first place with my with my speech. And then comes the world championship. So I won the state or my district. Now it's time for the world championship. And that's when I really started David probably six hours a day. I was working on a five to seven, hmm. and if it wasn't in, I mean, I, and I have, I used to teach folks how to speak as well. But I would color code my speech to denote when I'm going to have humor, changing inflection, uh, changing pace. When. All the gestures, stage movement. I I had all that stuff down to a T. I would set up a tripod and I would just practice it for hours at a time outside in the park at Charleston or in my house. If I wasn't actually practicing or writing, then I was listening to Tony Robbins or Les Brown and working on myself. This was all day long. And because of the type of work that I was doing as like a residence life coordinator, counselor, there was not really many tasks for my job. It was more relation-oriented. So I put all my time in this. Come to the top 100, I got to compete against the champion of Mexico, Japan, Turkey, New York, California, Louisiana, Ohio. And they say, some folks say that that was one of the best semifinal groups of all time. So that was the top 100. The winner of our round ended up getting third place in the world championship. The next year, um, another guy that placed top three ended up finishing in the top 10 of the world championship. So there, there was some really, really strong speakers in there. I didn't finish in the top three, but it was that experience that led to the next transition when I recognized I was too focused on myself as a speaker and I needed to have a more deep impact. And that's when I transitioned more into consulting and really learning more about emotional intelligence and, and providing solutions that go deeper than, than just 30 minutes to talk to students.
0: That is fantastic, Trey. I love it. And I'll say this from my experience as a corporate trainer around this topic. So many professionals don't realize how important public speaking skills can be to advancing their career. Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett said it was the most important skill set, most important. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you will go after this and you would compete against thousands and thousands of speakers all aspiring to be known. That's amazing. And I love that you went through that. I think that experience is amazing. Let me ask you this from one experienced public speaker to another. When you think about speaking as a whole, what do you think are the most important elements Mm. of a great speech? What would you say are the most important elements to a great speech?
1: so this this is this is good i i I like this question and and usually i struggle with it but i actually developed a method for writing my speeches and i think there's there's plenty of, of skills so i can go through like pitch pace movement stuff like that but i'd rather go with like a framework if you will and so i call it art or being an artist and the a is for awareness so the first thing i need to do as a speaker is bring awareness to to who am i what do i have why do you care right? And it's with a passion. So awareness as a synonym is passion. Passion, the root word is to suffer. So upfront, I'm bringing awareness to what we're willing to suffer for. Education, we're willing to suffer for our students. In in business, we're, we're willing to suffer for our clients or whatever the mission is. The next piece, after we bring awareness, we transition into reflection. Now I'm going to take you on a journey. I'm going to tap into your world transport you over to my mind, and we're going to walk through a journey where we reflect on connecting the dots. They say you can't connect the dots looking forward, you got to look backwards. So I'm going to connect the dots with my story, and hopefully that helps you connect the dots with yours. Reflection is sending in for a purpose and why. So we got what, why, we got the awareness reflection now. Now we transition, that's the T, to the person that you have to become, like like Zig Ziglar said, it's not what you get, it's who you have to become. And in that last phase, I'm helping you transition into the process of becoming the person you need to be. And so that, that's what a speech is. At the end of a speech, I need to give you in 10 words or less a message that you can wrap up in a bow and take home. And with that awareness, reflection, transition, you will certainly inspire special things. That's IST. That's how you become an artist. So that's my, that's my little framework right there.
0: I'm telling you guys, as a speaking coach, I'm still learning. This is amazing. He developed, and this is what we're talking about here. you got to find your voice. You might start with the Les Browns. You might start with the Zig Ziglars. You might start with the Tony Robbins, Brene Brown. You might start with any of these type of speakers to start finding your voice. But once you find your voice, you develop not only your persona, but your mindset for how you're going to present yourself in a way that makes the most impact and connects with the audience. He came out with being an artist starts mm-hmm. with art. I love this. This is a fantastic. Let me, let me go back again. Awareness, reflection, transition. Yeah. And what were the IST again? How'd you end it at the very end? You gotta, you gotta break that down for me one more time.
1: Inspire special things or impactful storytelling. So it's it's going to do one of those te- Two things: either you're going to inspire special things as a result of that message, or you're going to be an impactful storyteller as a result of using that art method.
0: Wow, this is amazing! This is amazing. I'll tell you this: I love it, and I, I've I've got a lot of clients, and I, I got to just let you know this up front, Trey. I've got a lot of clients that come from the world of Toastmasters, mm. and and a lot of them do that because it's a very important step for their foundation. Toastmasters is very foundational. And they come to me for more of what I call refining their speech. They're speaking. They refine their presentation skills. I'm able to hone in as a coach Mm -hmm. and look at the different areas of their presentation and say, here's what you should adjust. Here's what you should change. So I love that you've done this. And for our listening audience out there, let me tell you, you can do so much for your own career. By growing in this way, you mm-hmm. may not become my client right away, but you can learn from a local Toastmasters group. You can go on to mm-hmm. some of my courses online, but work on sharpening your skill set. This is important. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to ask another question here when you talk about speaking here, if you don't mind, Trey. Yeah. You look at your work now in training at the corporate space, you train at the educational level. What are you doing in terms of helping these educators, these influencers to work even on this aspect? Because part of what you're doing is not helping them just to grow in Mm -hmm. what we call awareness, not helping them just to grow in learning, connecting with their audience, whether that's mimicking in terms of pacing, whether it's learning to connect on on an emotional level how are you helping them to learn to communicate that? Because Mm -hmm. not everybody could come from that world of target and understand how to get from A to B and be point blank. Sometimes you got to learn how, what I call the art of connecting. What are some things you're doing on training on the educational front? Anything on that level?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the core service that I offer is called relationships and communication. And that's where that DISC assessment still comes back into play. And so for us to actually practice communication, we're not practicing explicitly as a, uh, as a presenter per se, or I'm not speaking to them directly as a person in front of a room instructing, but one form of communication that we focus on is nonverbal communication skills. How are you reading the room? So like for me, I recognize who are the students that you struggle to reach and teach versus the students that you're successful at reaching and teaching. I'm successful at reaching and teaching the students that are more like me. They're outgoing. They wear their heart on their sleeves. They they don't, they never met a stranger. I struggle to reach and teach the kids that are quiet, that are not outgoing, that don't speak up. So as a communicator, I know I'm going to talk to the kids that are like me. I'm not going to pay attention to them, you know, quote unquote, upfront, but I'm going to be really intentional about talking to these kids that I don't often connect with. And so that may not be a strategy as in pace or pitch or timing, but that is a communication strategy in connecting and making sure that we have an environment where everybody feels included and inclusive. I love that. And this is why it's so
0: important that if you're a sales manager out there, if you are a mid-level manager, or even if you're in a C-suite, that you do take the time to prepare you take the time to prepare, considering the people you're going to speak with and how to best connect with them to get the most out of them. And this is why teaching is such an important, important trait, an important market out there. So if you look back in your life, you're going to know that there are some teachers that impacted you, that, is shaped, that has shaped you in terms of who you are today. Trey, this is why you do what you do. And this is why you're needed in so many different levels. And I want to wrap this up with with this thought here. If you're listening to the Twins Talking Up podcast, you love the content. You appreciate the guests we bring on. We do this for you. We hope that this helps you to be more impactful as a leader. So I want you to think about that. And Trey is helping us to see today that no matter what space you're in, you could benefit from growing in your emotional intelligence. You could benefit from having what I call situational awareness. You can benefit if you can learn to connect with the people that you need to connect with the most. Trey, thank you for joining us, for sharing your experience. If you want to learn more about Trey's work, visit seleducators.com or go to his personal website at treygamage.com Trey, gotta have you back on. Thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.